Welcome to In the Lap of the Pods Queen podcast with Paul, Joe and myself, David. This is the first in a series of podcasts which look at Queen's 14 studio albums. If you want a bit of background to the podcast and more about us, please listen to the preview mini podcast that we put up for you. That will give you some more information about why we're doing this. Thank you so much for choosing us. We hope you'll get some enjoyment out of this. Maybe something to think about, something to get angry about maybe at times, but we hope you enjoy it anyway. Let's get to it then. We will be discussing Queen's first album, simply titled Queen, released on the 13th of July, 1973. The album had actually been in the can for a year. It was actually recorded in June and July 1972. So it was already a year old when it hit the shelves. And some of the songs on the album actually date back to 1971. And of course, Doing All Right being a a smile song obviously dates back to 1969. Now, the reason the album didn't come out until that time was really because Queen didn't have a record deal. They'd been offered a record deal apparently with uh, Chrysalis, but a friend of the band had said that they didn't want to be second fiddle to Genesis, who were obviously on the label. Which I I suppose seems a little bit bizarre, given that they eventually signed with EMI and the massive artists that EMI had on the the label um, at the time. But anyway, eventually they signed up with Trident, who were a production company. The idea being that they would record the album Trident, and Trident would try and find a record company to put it out to essentially buy the album off them. Trident was run by the Sheffield brothers, and Norman Sheffield in particular was immortalised on Death on Two Legs, as I'm sure all you Queen fans out there will know only too well. So we'll get to talk about that when we talk about A Night at the Opera. Eventually they got a distribution agreement with EMI, who released the album, and the band stayed on that label until the very last album they made as a band. Paul, I'm going to go to you first. Queen's first album hits the shelves in 1973. This new band, Queen. What are you what are you thinking at that time? As uh, if you're a if you're a fan back there, given I mean you were a one year old at that time, I think. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I was being born when they were recording it. Yeah, um, I think I, I think if you are you are you know a, a music fan in 1973, bearing in mind what came out at the time, uh, you know during that period, for instance, Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars, and loads of others that have escaped my mind right now. Uh, Dark Side of the Moon. Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah, compared to those albums, this might seem a little bit unremarkable. Uh, it might just seem like a collection of kind of blues rock kind of songs with a, you know, a wee, uh, maybe a touch of prog in there at times. That might account for the fact that it didn't do that great when it came out at first, you know. But having said that, uh, when you listen to the album, it's it's great. I will say out of, out of Queen's 70s output, Along with jazz, this is a, this is the album that I'll probably listen to the least. But every time I do listen to it, I think this is a great album. Why don't I listen to it more? 
Yeah, I, I, I yeah. agree with you there, uh, Paul. I think it's it's one of the it's one of the Queen albums I don't listen to as much, given the fact that I'm a big metal fan, as you guys are as well. And essentially, for me, it's a heavy metal album. You know, it is a heavy mm-hmm. metal album. It's, yep. it's there's more to it than just a, a bog standard heavy metal album. But I, um, but yeah, I agree with you. It's one I listen to at least. But yeah, it's 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 like Hendrix. I don't listen to Hendrix a lot. But when I listen yeah. to Hendrix, I go, why the hell am I down to listen to this guy mm-hmm. a lot more than I do? And yep. I suppose that, that first album's a bit like that. Although I do know it backwards. I've obviously listened to it enough to, to, to know it backwards. But anyway, I'm waffling on, so I'm going to bring Joe in. Joe, what's, what's your sort of thoughts on, on the album itself? Um, what's, how is it for you? How does it sit with you as a Queen album and, and just as an album in general? It was actually the, the Queen's first album was the, the first album that I ever bought with, with my own money. So it wasn't obviously the first record that I heard, but it was the first that I bought. So I had, um, you know, when I took it home, it, because it was so significant, it was the first thing that I bought with my own money and stuff. It, it kind of has a, I have a real soft spot for that record as well. I think uh, like like you, you kind of spoke about there, uh, for me, and when I bought it, I was I was obviously young. Obviously, I wasn't. I didn't buy it when it came out because I'm not that age. But um, I was obviously into, into kind of heavy metal at that point and stuff like that. And I remember thinking, you know, I was familiar with like the the, the later on Queen material and the more lighter stuff. And then when I got that record, I was like, man, this this is a really heavy. Geez, I didn't realize this this band was as heavy as this. Do you know what I mean? Because like you said, it pretty much is a balls to the wall heavy record, you know, and um, and for that reason, I, I've always, I've always really, really enjoyed it um, because it's obviously playing guitar. It, you know, it's a lot of great guitar licks and riffs in it, and you know, the, I can hear the the kind of evolution, I think, sort of thing of the the way Brian May did the did the kind of you know the kind of syncopated and did it and did it and did it. I might be wrong here, but that that is very much akin to thrash metal and stuff like that. And this was in 1974, so instantly I was like, that perked my ears up, and I was like, that's that's really cool, man. You know, 1973, a guy a guy was doing that that style of riffing. You know, I mean, you had Sabbath and stuff who were who were doing more of the doomier type type things and stuff, which I also love. We all do, um, but Brian May had a sort of an urgency to his playing in that record that I hadn't really heard any any bands of that out that era doing. So uh, it was always a really impressive record to me and and I think you can listen to that first record and you can also you, right away it's Queen and uh, you know what I mean? It's for a band to have come out of the gate in their first record like that. And instantly, you know, the stuff on that first record that they were still doing right up to innuendo. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. st- stylistically. Yep. I mean yep. that's impressive. It's it's, it's yep. really really impressive, man. Um, the the harmonies and things like that. You you know yeah. the idea. They had the idea it, they wanted to do harmonies yeah. from the start. Aye. You know. Uh, yeah. Aye, and that was their identity right right off the bat, man. Do you know what I mean? That was their identity. Mm. And um, okay, yeah, they deviated and stuff like that down the line with different styles, as everybody listening to this podcast will know. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's it's just that it's a really 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 strong rock stroke early heavy metal record and I think it's yeah. very very important and I think it's it's majorly overlooked and I think I think in terms of uh you know if you want to talk about uh you know like a signature sound the queen sound or whatever I think this album in queen 2 you know pretty much cement that 
the, the, the harmonised guitars and the, you know, the vocals, the, the, the layers of vocals and all that, that, you know, they did in this album, they did in Queen 2, and then, it, you know, ever so slightly started to pair off from sheer heart attack onwards, you know, mm-hmm. but they would always go back to it, you know, yeah. even, even as late as Breakthrough on The Miracle, you know, the, the, the bit at the start, the the layered mm-hmm. vocals and all that, you know, yeah, it was something that's what I mean. we'd always go back to, and it's yeah. and it's kind of something that maybe if you were asked ask someone in the street to describe how Queen sound, they would say, oh, you know, vocal harmonies and you know, mm-hmm. orchestrated stuff and all that. So I think you're, I think that right, this yeah. album's important in that respect, you know. Yeah, absolutely, and even um, obviously um, before we did this podcast, I'm sure you you guys were, were doing the same. But um, obviously, listen listening to the album a few times and 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 doing some uh, some reading up um, again to just to familiarise ourselves again of that period. And 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 the album was actually taken, you know, given that Queen were in the seventies, especially. The critics hated them, you know. They they absolutely despised them, you know, um, both in the states and um, and in the UK. But this album was actually take. It was quite favourable when it came out. I mean, Rolling Stone gave it a really good review. The press here gave it a good review. It was actually, um, and they were mentioning all the the bands that, you know, given that this was reviewed in 1973. When you look back at when you listen to the album now, I hear Black Sabbath. I hear. You know, Led Zeppelin's mentioned. I can get the comparisons to early Led Zeppelin. Okay, well, we'll let that one go. But I think it's a bit only more... in certain songs. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Joe, mm. I think it's more a Sabbath thing. Son and Daughter, for example, yeah. that, that's yeah. a Sabbath riff. You know, that, that's yeah. that's yeah. all. Don't I only would be proud to write that riff? You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so, um, but just talking about the how it how it what actually was received. Um, it was actually received pretty well, and um, which is which. Which I was quite pleased to see, you know, because I thought maybe when it came out, you know, as we've kind of alluded to before, the landscape it came out in and what was about at that time, I thought it, people might have been a bit dismissive of it, but it's, it was actually received pretty well, which I was really, really glad to see. Um, Can I just say that? The, 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 I just sort of spot in there. I just say the reason I think it was it was um, probably more in favour with critics more than the, the stuff that maybe came later on was probably because it was more straightforward. I think the critics yeah. really took a dig at Queen for, believe it or not, the progressive, the progressive yeah. stuff that they did. Because, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because I, I think really good point, Joe. Yeah, because Queen Two got um, get not exactly slated, but it got less favourable reviews mm-hmm. because because it, you know, because of the production and the grandiosity and all that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so who do these guys think they are? Sort of thing. Yeah, that, yeah, that's, you know, absolutely. So yeah, it is, it is more straightforward, but, you know, in terms of you know the way it sounds and all that. But is that is that down to the fact that they had so little time in the studio? They were recording in the middle of the night when could be you know, in, in dead time and all that. So that, mm-hmm. was it rushed? Was it you know could they no, work on the songs well, more? Or I, you, well, you don't nobody really knows. But I would probably yeah. take a stab. I'd probably just take a stab at the it being the first album, man. It's yeah. band's first record. I mean, I mean no, you know, you're, yeah. you're you're still finding the chemistry between members and and things like that. You know, yeah. it's strange because um, you know, you know, hearing what you're saying, Paul, and to a degree what you're saying, Joe, but probably more so, Paul. But it's sounding quite a simple album. <laughs> yeah, Actually, I know, it's, it's not. not. It's, it's just <laughs> no. in Queen in aye. Queen terms, it's a it's a simple aye. sounding aye. album. But I, if that was aye. the only album that Queen ever released, 
Aye. And they just disbanded after even like that. Man, that band oh. could have been amazing because they've got so their, their, their arrangements aye. and their ideas and you know. Well, I, 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 well, compared to Queen Two, it's a, it's like a discharge album. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> aye, that's like see what I mean. I totally, including the D beats. Um, <laughs> Probably nobody on here will know what a DB is. <laughs> but, um, maybe they will. Maybe they will. But um, I, I, I mean, straightforward. I, I, I didn't really mean, I just think it was more more of a solid rock record. You know, people were probably expecting, yeah. you know, at that time of that climate, it was like your Led Zeppelin, your Black Sabbaths, you know. I mean, yeah, those bands had different stylistic yeah, things, yeah. but it was, meat, it was meat and potatoes, hard rock, and... The first Queen record is the most meat and potatoes hard rock record, yeah. I would say, from start to finish, you know, definitely. That's, that's yeah, just my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, the thing, you know, when the reviews coming back to them, I mean, they, 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 they were... It, it, I was just, again, I don't mean to keep going on about the fact that it was received well, but, again, it just it just really resonated with me that it was received so well. And they were talking mm-hmm. about it. They, they, they were saying, this is a heavy metal album, this is a heavy metal band. And I get it, definitely, because yeah. I hear that, you know, and they were saying that in 1973, but they were making the point, but this isn't just an ordinary heavy metal band. No, not at all. They've got flair, they've got, they've got a classiness to them, and, you know, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're all heavy metal fans, all three of us, and we, we, we accept how ridiculous metal, metal is at, at times, yeah. you know. And uh, can, yeah, you absolutely. Know, but, but Queen, no, Queen did have the classiness to them, and I, and I think... When you listen to, to that album, that first album, you, you, you get an idea that these ba- this band has got so much potential to go go much further in, in terms of ideas, mm-hmm. in terms of progressive nature, as you talked about, Joe. Right, okay, we're, we're kind of talking about the album in sort of general terms, um, which is great. It's a good, good way to sort of introduce it and the podcast as well. What I will, will say to our listeners, we are trying our best to slow, <laughs> slow down how, how quickly we speak. We're, we're three Glaswegians and very proud of that fact, but we're trying our best to slow it down. So if at times you're going, what? Well, I'm sorry. We'll, we'll try our best, but, you know, just bear with us, please. You, I, I know you can speed up the speech and podcast. Can you slow them down? Just maybe take it down. Uh, take it down by about 0.5. You might be okay. Oh, uh, it'll be like uh, in the lap of the gods. <laughs> or maybe uh, make me sound less like a chipmunk so <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway just 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 uh, as a week and a light relief here um so it's saturday night actually we're recording this on a saturday night and um if this is getting listened to years down the line it's lockdown it's um the, you know the the covid19 virus is is all around the world right now, so we're actually locked down and um, under kind of restrictions. So we're actually doing this over video call. And uh, I so just um, if you listen to this in 2025 or something, you know, it may still be actually going on in 2025. We'll still be doing it over video calls, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, but uh, just just as a week, and I've uh, just just to mention that I've got a beer, I've got a Loch Lomond. Beer um, from the Loch Lomond Brewery. Paul, what are you drinking? You're drinking Guinness. Aye. Just Guinness, straight up Guinness. Okay, and Joe, you're on the on the water I'm, tonight. I'm on the straight up, straight up Scottish, straight from the tap. Oh, because I, I, because uh, <laughs> I don't drink alcohol. 
Not that I'm dissing anybody that does, you're a couple of alcoholics, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, good, no good on you, Joe. Nice one. Um, but hey, yeah, but it, by the time we get to the miracle, you'll be snorting coke, mate. <laughs> <laughs> or hanging uh, myself, one of the two. <laughs> right, okay, let's, let, I suppose, let's get back to, to the album. Um, again, we were talking about it in kind of general terms, but... Um, one thing I wanted to kind of mention is going back to Brian May and Brian May's guitar, guitar work. Ugh, we're probably going to be a bit biased because the three of us are guitarists. So, um, But when you listen to that album, when you listen to Brian May's sound and ideas on that album, I, I hear a guy that was so very sure down to the absolute detail about how he wanted the sound how he his ideas were coming across. This was a guy that absolutely was a perfectionist. You can hear that in this album. This is a yep. guy, I, I, I'm not putting anything down in that tape until I've got it exactly yep. the way I want to get it. Yep. And I've got my sound exactly the way I want, want to get it. Because tone-wise, and not on that album. I mean, if a band had a tone like that now, you'd, you'd be pretty proud of that. Because it's a really, really thick, meaty, aggressive tone on that album and that's mm-hmm. you know it, it's it's all i would say it's futuristic in sound but it's, it's definitely some bands around that time i mean i know we, we talked about black sabbath sometimes tone i only struggle with tone on certain albums but yep. me had that tone locked down from from that first album so yep. and you know um the riffing on it you know i mean i know some of the riffs are, are freddie's riffs as well you know um uh, on the album liar and things like that and but yeah, just Brian May's guitar work. Is there any particular songs on the album, uh, Joe? I'll come back to you actually. Uh, is there any particular songs on the album? Um, you know, what's the, what's the sort of standout tracks for you? You know, given that we've been talking about guitar, but you know, it could be could be anything at all, or it for any reason. Son and daughter goes without saying. Absolutely, that's. I mean, that's like you're talking about the, the tone and stuff like that. I would even go as far as to say that that it's better than. A lot of Tony Iommi's tones on on Sabbath records, you know, and that and I am like we both like, like the three of us are. We're all Sabbath fans, so I'm not disrespecting Tony Iommi, but um, but yeah, the, the guitar tone is very. Um, it's got a lot of mid as well. I know I'm getting into technical stuff here, but um, but but some some bands at that time maybe had more of a scooped guitar sound, like Sabbath especially. It was quite a scooped. It was really heavy, but then um, but but Primey's tone in that records. It's, it's got a nice middle to it, so it really, really cuts through. It's, it's punchy. Yeah, it's got, it's got a bite. Attack. Yep, yep, uh, yep, 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 it's yep. got a bite. And obviously, him playing with um, the coin as well, yeah. as most Queen fans already know, um, that, that changes your sound completely. It gives you a more, uh, gives you a more metallic edge to it, which would obviously, obviously make his guitar sound enhance it even more than, you know, as, as well as the tone of it, you know. So, but yeah, I would say, um, that's a definite favourite of mine on the record. Um, probably like the two years as well. Liar as well. I think the, the, the guitar guitar work in Liar's excellent. Again, a lot of really abrasive stuff as well. I didn't hear that. People say, you know, blue, you know. I mean, there's a friend, a, a common friend, there was David Allen, that um, we're talking about Queen, and I'm not going into this too much because I don't want to go too much off topic. But he was talking about he, he hasn't really cleared up on Queen this, the way we are. I was trying to explain to him about how good a guitar player Brian May was, and obviously, he's like, "Oh, he's he's, he's a, just a blues guy." It's like, no, mate, uh-huh. he couldn't be any further from that. He was listening to those. He was so much more abrasive than that. Like, you know, if it was blues, it would just be in the box, 
running up and down. Brimey was never about that. It was always um, it's a lot of really, really traumatic um, note choices, especially on like the first maybe three Queen records. A lot of really, I keep saying abrasive, but yeah, abrasive stuff, you know, abrasive chord, chord progressions and stuff like that. So to say that Brian May, you know, was or just he was just a, a blues guitar player, that's total shit in my opinion. You know, the uh, guy was yeah. way ahead, way ahead of his time. Do you know what I mean? Even I would even say even more so than than uh, somebody who also I love and respect, Tony Iommi. You know, somebody said to me, Tony Iommi's a, a blues guy. I, I, I wouldn't argue with it. You know, yeah. I can hear it. I love, I love it. I love it, and I can hear it. But to say Brian May, Brian May was, was more of a technician, I think. And, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, I, like you were saying, David, more crafted. He, he was definitely, he knew exactly what he was doing before yeah. he laid it down. Absolutely. And I think I think um, the influence, I think the influence of Tony Iommi on Brian May is quite evident. I mean, I know they're, they're, definitely. they're very close friends anyway, you know, but I can hear, I can hear Brian May listen to what, you know, Sabbath had did. You know, they, they, you definitely, know, they, 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 you know, they kind of try tone stuff and all that. They kind of, because, mm-hmm. you know, when you go into the second album, you know, which I'm not going to talk about until it's time, but um, even in Palette of Sun, kind of that really do me, do me Sabbath sound, you know. Death and Two Legs as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're fucking. We're gonna we're gonna go way after talking talk about albums. That are, you yeah. know, we'll talk about later. But mm-hmm. but yeah, so um, I I mean just for myself, I'll come come to you in a second, Paul. But um, standout track for me, absolutely, son and daughter. Um, great King Rat, I think is is absolutely brilliant. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, the sound of Brian's guitar, you just hear you just hear him, uh, you know, um, pulling up the you know the. Uh, the volume control on his guitar, and and you just hear the the, the sound, and then he just hits that chord. It just it's face melting, you know. Um, that's the abrasive thing. That's the abrasive yeah, thing I was talking absolutely. about. Absolutely, and yeah. even the even the almost, you know the, you know the kind of really, you know, bitey. Kind of really, it's kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. It's nasty sound. It's just. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's probably not to every Queen fan's taste. You know, I mean, it depends what kind of Queen fan you are. And how you approach the band, and you know what your favourite stuff is. But for us, being metal fans and being being hard rock fans, it's not all we like, by the way. But um, just to make that point, that that kind of stuff really hit, resonates with us. Modern times, rock and roll. You know, it's it's a proto thrash riff. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's fast. I mean, one thing I, I wanted to point out as well. We're talking about Brian a lot, but um, I think we need to give props to uh, Roger Taylor, an extremely underrated drummer um, and vocalist. Yeah. And vocal, I love his lovely sound, his, his, his voice as well. And yeah, the, the high, yeah, the high harmony yeah. stuff and all that. But anyway, sorry, Paul, I'm going to come to you. Um, any any tracks that stand out and why? Why are they standout tracks? For well, uh, as I've, I've mentioned before to you guys, I think uh, "Keep Yourself Alive" is an interesting um, song because at the start it's a very kind of simple, you know, little blues riff. Very reminiscent of Rory Gallagher, who uh, Brian was a big fan of. And funnily enough, Rory Gallagher can lay claim to being, being a part of uh, Queen's Sound, or Brian May's Sound, certainly, because Brian went to a taste concert, went backstage, asked Rory Gallagher, how'd you get your sound? And he says, well, there you are, it's a box AC30, it's a Dallas... Uh, range master treble booster straight into the guitar and that's that and Brian went out the next day bought an AC30 and a range master and he's used that from then till now 
Not that I'm saying that Brian May sounds anything like Rory Gallagher. He doesn't. He absolutely doesn't. But and that and keep yourself alive. That little that lick at the beginning is a definite uh, taste Rory Gallagher type thing. Uh, and then it, and, and uh, as the song goes on, Brian May just puts his stuff on it, and it just transcends into something else. It's like the evolution of maybe his playing, sitting in his bedroom, his homemade guitar, playing taste licks and all that, and then taking it to the next level, mm-hmm. you know? And also, there's so mo- so many tonal elements. The fact that his guitar is completely unique. It's got this sound that's halfway between a Strat and a Les Paul. He uses the, the sixpence as a pick, so he's, you know, he's getting attack and the strings that nobody else can get. And then the, the box EC30s, everybody else at the time was using, you know, if you were playing heavy music, it was Marshalls or High Watts or whatever, you know. The guy just seemed to approach it differently from everybody else. He came yeah. at a different angle, definitely. And the guy is absolutely unique um, in terms of totally Yeah, yeah uh, I, I think, I think um, you know, the, the, the thing I love about Brian May, I've always loved about Brian May, is he... he you know, especially in those early early concerts, you know, the Rainbow Gig and when you when you watch him and he's he's again as we talked about, you know, the you know, the riffs he's pulling out and the playing he's doing is they're just absolutely mm. face melting. But it's it's not like the, the big I'm a big rock god stance that he's got on stage and, and feeding the monitors and all that. He's just he's a musician first and foremost. So he's yeah. he's, he's coming out with these absolutely face melting riffs, but he's got the look of concentration that I'm a musician. Well, out the speakers is coming this absolute, you know, the, yeah. just devastation mm-hmm. in terms of like you know uh, riffing and guitar work. But that's what I've yeah. always loved and, about him. And, it, and it's you know it, it's just mm-hmm. I, I, you know it just sounds it just sounds like that because that's the way I want it sound. It's not because you know I'm this an aggressive person or you know it's just I love that sound. You know, and it and as. Is it because he's not like, you know, his presence on stage isn't aggressive and, you know, listen to this, does that make it heavier? Yeah, yeah and, it you makes know, it more interesting, I think, certainly. I, yeah. Again, to go back to bloody Tony Iommi, this is turning into the bloody Sabbath podcast, but <laughs> um, Tony Iommi just stands there and plays and what's, you know, it's absolute yeah. evil yeah. coming out of the speakers and you're, and you're just like, if I, if I could play that, I wouldn't be just standing there, I'd be like, you know, <laughs> Yeah, listen to this, you know. Um, yeah, you'd want everybody to know that. <laughs> but yeah, but the, but the understated thing on stage just it makes it more powerful when you actually analyze what he's playing. You know, when you actually look at or, or listen to what he's playing, it's it's so aggressive and and all that. You know, um, the attack is a, a, the guy is just incredible. You know, and I think that's it. I think it kind of what the the vibe I get when, when I think he brought me playing guitar and stuff like is um it was all about the music first and foremost. I think yep. maybe like Jim, Jimmy Page and people like that. Um, although he's a great guitar player, I'm not saying before somebody comes and tries to kill me for saying Jimmy Page can't play the guitar. I don't mean that. But what I mean is um a lot of it was um you know living up to the rock god vibe, you know, and there's Brian yep. me I think knew. I think I think most people know Brian May. Know he's not a, he's not a cool guy. You know what I mean? But it, it might not be cool in his personality. But it, you don't need to be because when you can play the way he plays, it's almost um, 
it's almost like it's kind of like concentrated. I think like because he's so focused on what he's doing, like he just rather than try to posture on stage and stuff, he's just one hundred percent like no, like that's not me. But I'm gonna fucking oops, sorry. I'm I'm gonna <laughs> um, I'm gonna basically um, just take you to, take you to school with my playing rather than the whole yeah. check out. You know mm-hmm. what I'm playing my yeah. guitar with, like an electric drill or some stupid shit like that. You know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and and I think I think that's it's not to say that we're snobs about music, and you know it has to be a certain way. Or, it's just for us, you know. I think I think we all absolutely agree. I, I don't think you're going, we're going to get much disagreement in this in this album and this period of Queen. To be honest, I think we're probably all going to be on the same page. I think when we get further on into the, the later seventies, I think that's where the three of us will start to differ a wee bit. So it might seem, you know, for the listeners, this is just a big loving. And we're all agreeing with each other and all that, yeah. But you know, I think for this, for certainly, I'll just pre-warn you probably for the, you know maybe the next maybe four podcasts, you know, within reason, maybe pretty similar in terms of in terms of how we feel about it. But yeah, absolutely, Brian May, and I think that one of the things that's you know the top ten best rock guitarists of all time, he's never there. He's never even in the top ten, and that's because I think that's first and foremost image. You get people like Slash from Guns N' Roses ahead of him and stuff, and it's just it's it's just absolutely farcical, you know, that the guy doesn't get the credit. But I mean, at the end of the day, who gives a toss about the top ten best rock guitarists in Rolling Stone magazine anyway? Who these things don't matter. It's just an indication of how little he's regarded for guitar. I mean, a lot of other guitarists. I mean, James Hetfield from Metallica absolutely adores. Uh, Brian May, you know, he's played some of the some of the most aggressive guitar in the eighties that, that there was, you know, and he's in terms of rhythm guitar, the guy's an absolute And you can hear it and so, you can hear it in, in Metallica as well, like the uh, harmonies and the, stuff like that. The harmony, exactly, the harmonies are like a Queen Two type harmonies and all that. Yep, absolutely. So start so, a blackened, but it's backwards. <laughs> That's Queen exactly. pretty yep. much. <laughs> totally. Mm-hmm. I can uh, anyway we I suppose we are we're kinda of, um again just uh, talking about Brian quite a lot. <laughs> it's quite bizarre. You've probably no noticed it yet. Since we started talking about Queen's first album, we've not mentioned Freddie once. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've not actually uh, talked about Freddie uh, once. Uh, and, uh, you got three guitar players. <laughs> that's a problem. Think, oh, but I suppose uh, we've got a vocalist, Joe. You're a vocalist, Joe. Come on, tell us how good Freddie is. <laughs> don't need somebody like me to tell you how good Freddie is. I'm going to call you a vocalist, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you make noises into your mic. That's, that's, aye, that, that's about right. Aye. That's about right. Well, I think that's um, I think that's kind of the point. Um, you know, one of the reasons why we we um, we were having a, a bit of an argument actually over uh, in a WhatsApp group about a, a podcast that will remain un, unnamed, and it was talking about uh, rock stars who are no longer with us. You can probably guess now what, what I'm talking about, but the amount of inaccuracies and just out and out. Just, I'm sorry, just bullshit that was in these, these. so we got a bit of an argument over over that, and oh, come on, we're taking it too seriously and all that. Then, you know, it was suggested that we just we just give this a go. So you might be listening to this and equally think the same, that, you know, we are waffling a whole load of shite as well, but that's that's fine. It's, it's all right. It's, it's not, we're not here to please everybody. But it's, I think that was the point, because what, what, were, what we were certainly fed up with, with was when it comes to Queen, What's often discussed is the the debauchery, Freddie's lifestyle, the fact that Freddie was a great showman, which he was. He was absolutely the best showman, as far as I'm concerned, that there ever was. But that's because I like that music. You know, for something, someone maybe Sinatra and other people. That's fine. It's just for us, it's Freddie. But uh, and so that's all true. 
And, but it's just, you know, anything that's in the media, anything that's it's in an article, they never discuss the music. They never discuss the actual fact that these guys were Aye. geniuses. The Queen Aye. were geniuses at their, at their craft. And, and Freddie, was, Freddie was no exception. Mm. Freddie just happened to be a genius, but off the off the fucking wall at the same time. You know, it's just, he had had the full package. And I think that's yep. that, that's what it was. And, and we've not talked about Freddie yet because we will talk about him, but we're not talking about him yet. But, but because ultimately mm-hmm. Queen were a band, you know, and there was four people pulling together to, to make that band what it was. And uh, okay, we, we do agree without Freddie, it's not Queen. And that's not because the other three are diminished in their, in their, their musicality. It's just it's just so obvious that that guy was... You know, you, took, if you, part. you know, if, if Brian May was the one that had died back in 1991, I would be saying the same thing. But Brian May was irreplaceable in Queen. So it's, it's I think I think they all were, man. Exactly. I think they all were. Just picking a member randomly, but uh, you know, I get so, that. So, totally. You know, so so that's the point. I think Queen were so important a band in terms of you know the the, the collective take one out of it. It, it just it just it just wasn't the same band again. Yeah, stopped when Fred. stopped when Fred died for me, and I, and again, I'm not trying to be controversial with that. I'm just stating how close yeah Queen were to my heart, um, yeah, and how again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, for me, it was ludicrous carrying on with anybody, yeah, um, yeah other than Freddie. So, yeah, absolutely. So, we're, we're talking about Freddie, but I've not talked about John either as well. I mean, um, oh. let's let's talk about let's talk let's stick with Freddie since we brought him up. Um, so, Freddie on this album, um, is he the 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 best vocalist you've ever heard in, in this first album? No, it, it's because I, I think it's the nature of the the material. It's it's you know kind of more direct, straight ahead, metal rock, whatever you want to call it. I think the the kind of vocal gymnastic stuff comes into play more from Queen Two onwards, kind of thing. You know, maybe when they've got more time to to experiment with you know vocal techniques and all that kind of stuff. I think it's a confidence um, thing as well, eh? Yeah, possibly. As well. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he, he obviously, in, in private, was a very, very shy man and all the rest of it. And, you know, yeah. I think, uh, like a lot of great artists, he had periods where, he, you know, he, you know, his self-confidence would, would, would go, get very low and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. None of these songs are his greatest vocal performance, for me anyway. You know, I think that's still yeah. to come. You know, I, I think I agree, and it's interesting, uh, Joe. You, I think you mentioned it first about um, the, the confidence thing, because I was actually watching the the Rainbow gig today. Um, oh. You know, uh, which is just absolutely sublime in the mix. That um, uh, what's what's his name? He was on the cross. He did the he did the remix of the the soundtrack. Or is that the drummer? Uh, I can't remember what he was in the cross. Sorry, that's really oh, bad. It's Queen fans, we should know this. But, ah, uh, but there's folks shouting in their phones, you know. It's fucking so <laughs> so. <laughs> I know. Apologies, it's just it slipped my mind. But anyway, the mix he, the mix he does is absolutely uh, outstanding. Uh, it just sounds great. But anyway, I'm, I'm going off, off, off the point here. But um, the, the point was about Freddie because when he's actually singing, singing the songs, confidence is absolutely oozing out of him. You know, he's, 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 just, he's just owning it in between the songs. He's really mm-hmm. nervous. You, you see it, and he's he's, he's got all the patter. Right. You know, he's got all the all the kind of the, the right. funnies and the, the wee bits of bit. Mm-hmm. How he's delivering it, and you know, at one point he actually 
introduces White Queen. He says, oh, this is one of Brian May's songs, and it's it's a wee sad song that Brian May wrote. And then I think you just go, oh, shit. It's almost like, oh, no, I'm, I'm maybe cheating the song. So he goes, anyway, and it just straightens himself. This song's called White Queen. You know, it's almost like he's, he's second-guessing. <laughs> so you're right. Uh, I think I think confidence-wise, you know, and you can write probably with Shai. We all know that, you know, in his private life, he, he put mm. on a persona and all that. But I think even, even at that mm. point, even though, you know, we haven't talked about this, the fact the Queen were all mid to sort of late uh, late 20s, but when the first album mm-hmm. came out. So they weren't, they weren't kids when that first album came out. Now that's mm-hmm. maybe why, why I think Freddie was well-crafted well you know, as well. So I, I've, got, I've got a wealth of uh, years behind them and music listening and stuff from other bands as well. You can pull from. And smile, and, of yeah. course, with yeah. Brian and Roger. I, yeah. Brian and Roger, yeah. yeah. Um, I listen to, I've got, well, I think we've all, we all have, we all have the smile record. Obviously, right. I hadn't listened to it for a long time, and I listened to it um, yesterday. I put it on, and um, it's weird. I mean, there are there's heavy moments on it, but it's like nowhere. It's almost like a different band by the time they get to Queen One, and I, I wonder how much of that was maybe Freddie, because I, I think a lot of folk think of Freddie is like the the guy that brought the kind of pomp pomp stuff to to Queen. When I, when no. I think we we agreed that all of us that he really wasn't the guy. Brought a lot of really heavy stuff. Um, probably in in vibe as well, you know. He's yeah. like we spoke about before. You know, he's yeah. upbringing, he'd quite a hard upbringing and stuff like that. Yeah. And when he moved to Britain, but I definitely think it's it's weird when you see the the progression from what the Smile record, which is it's just like a really kind of mediocre sort of pop rock record. But then by the time Queen comes about, it's like a mm-hmm. it's like there's an injection there. And I wonder if maybe yeah. some of that had to do with with Freddie and not just you know what you would normally think would be maybe all the guitar player made that that stuff heavier. I think, like you're saying, like yeah. um, a lot mm. of the riffs were transcripted from uh, piano lines that Freddie had wrote. Um, yeah, but and I wonder, even on that, maybe yeah. son, maybe son and daughter was maybe son and daughter was a it could have been a a piano riff, and you know because that did happen. Well, that's Brian's right enough. Oh well, yeah, but well, I'm, I'm just yeah, using yeah. that as a, yeah. an example. Sorry, I, um, yeah. I'm just using that as an example, not necessarily yeah. that song, but you know, yeah, there will be certain riffs. People like Ogre Battle again, it's on a second record. We won't right now, but. But Ogre Battle, it started as a, a piano riff that, that Brian turned into a, a guitar riff, you know? Aye. Well, it's interesting you're saying a piano riff, because um, uh, I know Brian said, I think it was, was it in the Classic Rock, uh, Classic Albums one, uh, Night of Opera, I think they were talking about the early days That's right, well. yeah. And he said, he's talking about Freddie as a guitarist, though. He said Freddie was mm-hmm. actually a really, really good guitarist. Mm-hmm. And he actually, because he mentions Ogre Battle, he says, that's, that's, no, that's no mine, that's Freddie's. So mm-hmm. the fact that I'm not saying that he, he maybe necessarily played it with the same speed, <laughs> same attack as, as Brian eventually <laughs> did, but but you know it's it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's very conceivable that Freddie showed Brian that on a guitar, you know, and uh, uh, but that, that was Freddie's style. He was always like, my, do you know what? Just listen to my tunes and throw it away. I, that's that's what you do with my music. It was always really under mm-hmm. under. Uh, which is weird because it's like uh, music, uh, you know, which, which is weird because when you can see the amount of passion and. You know, yeah. the amount of effort they went into constructing those songs. Yeah. It's like um I don't think he really obviously he didn't really mean that, but that's the that's the part of the the defensiveness in him, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And the shyness yeah. in him. And again, it's like he's almost scared to just just yeah, ignore yeah. it. Uh, yeah, just just yeah, ignore yeah. it, but really deep down inside he probably really wanted verification absolutely. that you know people yeah. love his music. Uh-huh. I mean, because let's face it, nobody's in a band for for nobody to listen to you. Everybody's in a band because they want people absolutely. to like their music. Anybody that says otherwise is talking shit. So I think yeah. maybe that played on on his personality a bit. You know that was a way of downplaying things just in case. You know it was like a defence mechanism that because he was so shy that 
you know, if somebody didn't like it, he was like, well, I don't mind you. I don't mind you not yeah, liking it, but yeah, deep down. Exactly. I, and we're all musicians, exactly. like I said, we all, we all played in bands and stuff and various degrees and stuff. And I can tell you right now, and uh, uh, you can have 10 great reviews and one bad one and you'll focus on the bad one. Yeah. Again. Yeah. So I, I was maybe a bit of that. Just harking back to the way he kind of approached the speaking about his own music and stuff like that. So we've talked about Freddie a little bit. Um, Freddie, I, I, I agree. I don't think anything, I agree with Paul, I don't think anything on that album's his, his best performance or anywhere near it. His vocals are, are very strong, very good. I like them a lot. Um, but yeah, I'm not hearing I'm not hearing my favourite singer of all time on that album um, quite yet. Um, I think that came came a bit later. I didn't actually realise it, and uh, you know, again, if anyone is actually listening listening to this, um, maybe you already knew this, but I didn't realise it was Brian that played on um, played the piano on doing all right. Obviously, doing all right is a smile song anyway, but um, it's actually Brian that plays the piano on that, not Freddie, um, which I didn't know. Um, but Freddie obviously oh. plays the piano on My Fairy. The, 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 the piano bit at the end, uh, um, it, where, where Freddie and Brian do this wee kind of run up towards the end of the song. And in My Fairy King, it just ramps up and the drums start ramping up, and you know, you know Roger's hitting on the snare. and and you know the bass is rumbling away, and it's just a brilliant wee kind of crescendo towards the end, and it just drips down to a wee soft ending. Just absolutely brilliant, you know. Just uh, that mm-hmm. bit in my fairy king at, at, at the end. Obviously, the just, themes. Uh, sorry, sorry, Joe. Hi. No, I'm just going to say pretty much the same thing. It's like um, listening to the album and stuff. Like there was very, very few bands, I think, that. And it was evident right from the first record, I think, that could go like you're saying about soft ending after a really, really heavy part, just bang straight into a soft part. Um, I thought Queen's, Queen had mastered that right off the bat, like being yeah. able to merge styles like, like, and make it sound cohesive. Yeah, Queen somehow yeah. managed to, right from the first, right from mm. World Go, they were perfect. I think that, I, I think. One of the great things about Queen is the way they use dynamics. You know, they use quiet, Absolutely. loud. One of the best bands to ever do that. And and I know quiet loud is a you know as a cliche, a kind of heavy metal kind of thing stuff and all that. But uh, Queen used it in such a artistic way. Like you say, Joe, a lot of bands would just paste two bits of one riff mm-hmm. to this riff, or or just. Just have a, a sudden key change or a tempo change, but that it really, you know, does it kind of jars one Make any sense? Aye, where it's clear, seamless, seamless. Yeah. Let's talk about John Deacon. Aye, let's let's talk about. Or, or Deacon John, as it says in the, the back of the little key. That's right. It was, it was, Deacon it was, John. Deacon um, John. Aye. The the ascending run he does towards the end of Liar is absolute yeah. genius. I, I, yeah. In fact, it, there's a good. Uh, on the Rainbow DVD, yeah, you see him do it like live. Yeah, absolutely amazing. You know, again, get back to the um, technical stuff. His bass tone is actually brilliant on that gig aye, as well. You aye. know, and that you know, just really gritty. Aye. You know, absolutely brilliant for a guy who's who's into kind of more soulful stuff, aye, stuff aye. and all that. You know, the, the aggression. Yeah, he knew it was required in a heavy aye. song. Though aye. you know, it's like I'm, I'm a musician first and foremost. Again. The reason why we like Queen so much, you know, why we love Queen. Because uh, it, it's like the do 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 do, and then boom, down 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 down, you know, do, they get, yeah. and, 
and a guy that's into Motown and soul and all that, you know, and and you, you know, you put him in a heavy song, and that, and, and that's what he can produce. It's know? weird though. It's weird though because when you listen Amazing. to a lot of Mot- Motown and stuff like that, it's, it's really bass driven. Obviously, aye. And so I mean, it, it was always there, you could tell. Aye. aye, it was never going to shy away from shy away from like being in the spotlight a wee bit. You know, I think you know yeah. he, he's playing. Like you're saying, they're kind of heavy. If you listen to like a lot of those, um, a lot of those Motown songs and stuff like that, the bass lines, if you just strip listen, because I've done it myself, I've listened to it, it's a really heavy bass line, but it's all the, the other stuff on top that's kind of uh, like, uh, like, like kind of lighter vocals and stuff. But so, I mean, that might have came for that as well. So it's probably uh, still in his, in his DNA, and you maybe, know, still right, memorable, uh, thick, you know, bass lines and stuff like that. Not not that many evidence for it, but maybe a lot of the layering stuff that Queen did, maybe maybe that Could was been. Him and you know, he's influenced from ah, totally. Motown and all because you know, Motown and you had like Phil Spector, the wall of sound, you'd, you'd have like five guitar players and two bass players and two drummers yeah. and all that just to create Absolutely. this absolute massive sound, you know. I think he was a definite I don't know I don't know about the first record obviously because he wasn't really in Queen no. that long at that, that point. But I don't think he, he obviously his own personal impact felt on that record. You know what I mean? For me, it's very much, yeah. it's very much a Brian May record. You know, you get, I don't know, probably most people will have similar vibes. You know, like like yeah. certain albums are certain bands. You get more of the singers' vibe or more of the guitar players' vibe. For me, the first record's very much Brian and Roger. It's I, I don't know why that is for me, but that's how it feels for me. Ah, it's an, um, it's interesting. And, and it's always been a Brian even though, for myself. Yeah. Aye, like like like, like mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, I know I know it isn't that case, but that's the kind of vibe I get off it. I think yeah, it's yeah. because yeah. I kind of I kind of associate more of the kind of stripped down stuff. Uh, kind of with Brian May, which is in, in itself is kind of silly saying that because I know the Prophet song was written by Brian May, and that's like one of the most complex songs that they ever yeah, wrote yeah. and stuff like that. Absolutely. But um, that's just the vibe I get when I listen to it. But again, go back to John Deacon and stuff. Um, um, I don't think he's really, I might be wrong, man, but I, I don't think you really have a definite feel for him on that no. record until, but no. I definitely get that vibe when it moves on, yeah. moves on into the 70s records. I feel I can hear um, more like obviously credited and stuff on other records yeah. uh, later on records for writing songs and stuff but I could I could hear more of his influence but in the first record that I, I don't really think he and he's a shy I, guy as well at that point and stuff and he felt kind of out of place didn't he did he not he felt uh, kind of out of place no, at first I, I think he said I mean it, it, he's obviously paraphrasing it best here than what he actually said but it was along the lines of uh, he wasn't convinced actually that Queen was, was the right band was the right band for him or, or or indeed a band that was going to do anything particularly special until sheer heart attack and obviously that was the first album he started writing on you know himself you know yeah. and adding different yeah. styles and because obviously sheer heart, yeah. sheer heart attack is then probably the, the, the turning point in terms of what queen would eventually become in the 70s popularity and, and, yeah. and beyond i because it was more you know there's a, a more pop influence coming in and stuff anyway but anyway we'll talk about that when it comes to talking about sheer heart attack as well um, but yeah, absolutely. I think the point I just remembered uh, the point, and I think I've just forgotten that again. <laughs> no, I've remembered now. You talk about the arrangements. Uh, I know I'm, I'm, I shouldn't have really shouldn't have be hosting this. Um, but um, it was interesting because yeah, when I listened to it the first time, I thought that Great King Rat and My Fairy King particularly were overbaked, and and there was too much layering in those songs. When I listened to it back again recently. Um, again, I listened to it you know, a few nights later. And I thought, nah, 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 I love it. I love everything in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, again, reading up on the, this period, uh, 
you know, for, for the podcast. It was Brian May at the time was talking about, again, I'm paraphrasing, I don't know what the exact quote was, but he's alluded to the fact that we 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 maybe went too far with some of the songs in this album. You know, we, we maybe just, we should have actually remembered, tried to just kind of take a step back and remember what the point of the song was. Instead of just putting another bit on top and another bit and another bit and another bit, you know, obviously that is which is weird. Us, which is weird that's because what that's, Queen is. Uh, that's, yeah, that's what Queen is. But I think when you, I mean, yeah, certainly when I was listening, weird. It was, did they say that in the seventies? Was that a seventies quote? Oh, this was back at the time. Aye, this was this was actually. Aye, well, then, obviously, maybe like in a kind of weird. Well, that makes sense because at that point he's, he's not. They've not done other records yet, but have obviously went. This is kind of what we're all about. <laughs> but, do you know what I mean? No, but, but at that funny. point, he probably thought it was too much. It's funny, but you, you can actually hear it. You know, even even when you actually listen to him, because well, I, I've been listening with the, yeah. the earphones, um, and I think that's when you actually hear a lot more um, of, of the sort of layering and stuff. And I think it just at times I thought some of it maybe was slightly unnecessary. You know, there was like three guitars doing completely different things and you know and it, it, right. it just seemed like it's busy, busy. For busy yeah busy, busy for business sake and maybe some of the, the, the actual point of the song was a wee bit lost but again having listened to it again, again I was like no I love everything about this so I think it just but it was weird because when I, I read that when Brian May said that I said that's kind of weird because that's how I felt about some you know one or two of the tracks but right. I, I think I think overall it's 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 just a, it's it's a, a very solid debut from from you know one of the best bands of all time. If it was the only album that that band ever released, I think you'd still you would go, yeah, that's that's a that's a band that's a shame that they, they didn't do more stuff. You know, you would it wouldn't be one of these 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 things that you would that would just be oh, it's good for a wee listen now and again. It's it'd be uh, like man. That, You'd you'd be intrigued by it, you know. I wonder what that uh-huh. band would have became, you know. So I think the ingredients are there, as you say, Joe. They kind uh-huh. of had the sound from the from the off, you know, the harmonies, everything about them. Well, anyways, it's great that they, 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 they continue. <laughs> they did make more music, you know. So, any, any other kind of points on the album as as a whole, and again, any particular tracks you want to talk about, or Son and Daughter? I think it was interesting that um, in the middle of the. Uh, you know the track was was May's original kind of guitar solo thing, which became Brighton Rock or whatever. Yeah, that was actually in there at the beginning, and then they obviously took it out. But maybe I, in the context, of, I think because Brighton Rock's kind of quirky and kind of like the verse, he's a wee bit, you know, obviously very, you know, pretending to be a girl and all this kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. So, so that's maybe the, the almost the kind of relief from the <laughs> the big overblown Aye. guitar solo in the middle. You know, might well, obviously good. he did it live, didn't he? In the middle of Sunday, uh, you know, that's right. I, I get back to Joe's point um, about things being bolted on. Me, you know, other bands just kind of, you know, I, I, to me, it might have just been a bit bolted on. You know, just like uh, oh, yeah, something that's like off on a tangent uh, into this. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it absolutely works in Brighton Rock. Absolutely, that that to me is a piece of art. It's unbelievable. You know, um, yeah. I just wanted to, to to bring up. I think we're probably again. I, I think this a, might be a shorter podcast compared to some of the later on ones. Given you know, the, by no means are we saying the album's one dimensional, but there's there's probably it's probably a similar style mostly through the album. Um, yeah. I, I wanted to pick up on the some of the well, the, one of the tracks I wanted to mention was "Mad the Swine." 
So mad the swine, obviously, oh, yeah. as everyone, you know, the Queen fans out there will know, is um, was an outtake from from the first album. Um, it get released as a B side to Headlong, um, and it was it was in the reissue um, of Queen um, when they signed to Hollywood Records. We talked about the album being recorded in uh, these nighttime sessions because that was the only the only way they could actually afford. To, to get the band um, to record the album, um, and and from what I read, they actually recorded a song in each session. So they would do a song right. We're going to set up and record "Liar" tonight. We're just going to do "Liar," and then you know next time we're in, we're going to do "The Night Comes Down" or whatever. But you can hear that because there's actually different different <laughs> sounds throughout the whole album. The whole album doesn't sound like it's been recorded and in one studio with the mics all in the same place. You can tell drum-wise, the drum sound is all over the place in the album. In some tracks, I think mm-hmm. it sounds pretty good. In other tracks, it sounds pretty poor. The drum sound on it on the night comes down, I think it's excellent. It's actually the, the, the drum sound on that particular track. The, the snare sounds really bright. It just It's just got a nice, nice feel. Um, that really early 70s drum sound that I'll absolutely love. It's on that track, but... And some of the other ones, it's almost like kind of stifled and dry. And but Mad the Swine, the reason I bring that up is because Mad the Swine's got the same drum sound. So it's almost I've got no. This is purely conjecture, but I wonder if Mad the Swine and the Night Comes Down was recorded in the same session. You know, the the, the kit was mic'd up exactly the same. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm getting a bit technical here. I okay, but but yeah, it's, it's, so it does sound like an album that has you know, being recorded in bits rather than mm-hmm. in, one, oh, in one, in one, you know, uh-huh. one for two session, you know, whether the mic's, okay, for this song, we're going to maybe move a mic here and move a mic there for the particular vibe of the song, but you're getting the overall sound of the album. It's not not to the point where it's, it's sounds like our best of or anything like that, or, you know, where you've got a bunch of different production styles, but, but it's definitely mm-hmm. noticeable. And Mad the Swine, I don't think it's a particularly great song. It's, it's probably better mm-hmm. if it's left off. Apparently, it was meant to go in between um, My Fairy King, uh, Great King Rat and My Fairy King. Apparently, it was meant to sit in between that. Now, now in Madness Wayne, it's, it's talking about um, the Lord and all that and all this, this, this yeah. kind of stuff. And now you've got Jesus <laughs> on uh, <laughs> you've got Jesus. Yeah, yeah, and Great, you know, great King Rat mentions the Lord. But you Jesus uh, as well, which is, <laughs> which is a very literal. You know, with Joe, Joe made a joke um, in, in, in a text message to us today how literal the, the lyrics sound. <laughs> it's just, Jesus did this, then this happened, then that happened, then, then Jesus did, you know. And it is, it's very, uh, I think Paul uh, mentioned, sorry, and you can speak for yourselves here, but Paul mentioned the fact that he treats it almost like a kid's, <laughs> a kid's song. But you've got this kind of weird, kind of baroque, kind of style of day, day, do, do, do. Aye. It's almost like you can imagine it playing a harpsichord. Aye, harpsichord, all the wings, you know. It's, 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 it's very, very broad. One thing I would say is the wee guitar run in the when it breaks down in the, in the middle. Aye, it's, 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 it's pretty much running up and down scales, but it just sounds amazing. It just, it just mm-hmm. sounds brilliant. And although mm-hmm. Mad the Swine, I is although Mad the Swine is probably not as lyrically. <laughs> naive or lyrically silly is Jesus. I still prefer Jesus. Jesus actually sounds like a better song. Better song. That's not a better song. That, not, again, not that the intention was for, for Mad the Swine to replace Jesus, but you imagine Mad the Swine and Jesus on that that same album. I mean, like, 
you know, it's almost like, is this a Christian rock band or something? You know, just like they've been, you know, um, and that's not to offend any Christians out there, but it's just, it's weird that you've got these two songs that, you know, Jesus is very literal about, about Christ, and then you've got this, this you know, the mad and swine kind of vibe. And then there's a... a comment, really, than, than anything else. The, then there's a, the lyric, the great Lord before he died, knelt sinners by his yeah, side. that's right. I can't remember what song that is in, but... <laughs> This song's in. But I'm singing this song now. Uh, Great King Rat. Great King Rat. Rat. I had to run it through my head. Honestly, uh, we, we, just for anybody listening, we actually are Queen fans, honestly. We just, we didn't just (laughs) get get into the band last week or something, you know. Uh, But I think these, maybe for myself and myself and Paul, these beers maybe. I am played as a bellman. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just letting you two. I'm just letting you two guys uh, make an arse of it. (laughs) Quite right, man. Quite right. So, so obviously it was an early attempt at going for that sweet Christian rock money. That's all I could think of. (laughs) I think maybe that, like you were saying, David. Though I think maybe that's a decent point, man. Maybe they thought too many songs about Christ. Aye, so Jesus, aye, bit of a bizarre track to kind of end the album as well because you know you've got uh, Seven Seas Awry, <laughs> you've got Seven Seas Awry, but it's just a wee, the wee taster for Queen Two. Um, but it's it's, it's, it's bizarre. It's <laughs> kind of last. I, I, I was thinking about it today. It's almost like they went, do you know what? This is the weakest song in the album. This is the the one that we've written because you have had to fill the album, so we'll just stick it right at the end. So all the bellers <laughs> before uh, it. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. so I, I don't know if that's it thing. makes sense. Front loading, front loading the album, it's a common trait. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, it's probably the heaviest song about Jesus ever written. I'll give it that. But uh, the striper. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> I don't think I've ever listened to them. I don't bother the rubbish. Uh, Okay, uh, I think we well pretty much covered everything that I think that yeah certainly we want to cover about the album. Um, any oh, any final think, thoughts? I've, any final thoughts, Joe? Sorry, just come to yourself. I yeah, uh, oh sorry. Um, I think um, I think modern times rock and roll needs to be spoken about, even though probably a lot of folk would maybe think that was like kind of throwaway track. I think it's an important track um, because of the one the the speed of this song. And the, the the style of guitar playing, which we spoke about before, um, at that 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 time period, um, I, I didn't hear any anybody really playing that that speed with that aggression. Again, there was heavy bands like you know doing heavy riffs, but that's very very fast, uh, more than akin to like um, almost like thrash metal, you know, like like ten years before Metallica or whatever, you know. But I think that's an important song to speak about, man, because it's. Uh, it really is um, when you take it for what it is for the time that it came out. It, it's quite a significant track, and um, the drumming, especially the kind of the kind of beat that's getting played and stuff. It's it's almost it's almost kind of like again like like thrash, it's like a slower version of thrash metal. But the actual guitar playing as well is very very um, angular. There's not nothing bluesy about it at all. It's very very angular, and that's that's kind of weird in itself because you listen to bands. Like um, Zeppelin or, or Sabbath, and that, uh, most of the riffs are really bendy and bluesy and stuff. Whereas that isn't. That's very choppy and uh, 
and um, straight yeah. straight direct. It would, it would almost, almost yeah, yeah, almost kind of like um, what punk was later on. You know, maybe three years later when the, when the Sex Pistols came out, like six seventy six or something, and uh, Queen were doing uh, more aggressive yeah. shit back in seventy three. And I don't <laughs> yeah. think um, I don't think Queen get quite the the props and respect for the absolute the, the evolution the evolution of heavy metal because mm-hmm. um, people go, go talk about sabbath and and led zeppelin and deep purple and stuff like that but you put modern times rock and roll next to smoke in the water i mean it sounds like a totally different yeah, beast yeah. it's like a, it's like a different genre of music almost um, I'm not saying that, that, that modern times rock and roll is a better song. I don't mean that. What I mean is, in, in stylistic terms, yeah, it's no, like a absolutely. completely different thing. Complete. It's like putting, it's like putting um, Bon Jovi next to Metallica uh, when Metallica uh, were it, good. Obviously, no, I don't mean when they were when they were yeah. rubbish. But I, I think that's it. I think Queen were doing metal better than some of the bands that were praised for being metal bands. If you know what I mean, at the time, you know they were actually doing more aggressive, heavier, heavier stuff, yeah. more convincingly than some of the. You know the the, the yeah. classic heavy metal bands, you know, at, at the time. Mm. Yeah, and I think you know you mentioned the, the sort of thrash punk thing. Absolutely, I can totally hear that. It's weird because when I mean, you talk about it being kind of punky, which it is, it's I, I, it, the thing is again we're probably going to bore some 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 listeners here who are not maybe familiar with with punk and hardcore, but it's more like a hardcore punk. It's got more in common yeah. with hardcore yeah. punk than it has just yeah. punk because. You think about yeah, just definitely. punk, the Clash, and things like that? No, it's much more aggressive than it's that. More, it's, more, it's more in common with some sort of like, you know, Discharge. Discharge or something. And yeah. like, it's more, more aggressive mm-hmm. towards that aggressive side of that. Choppy, it's the cattle riffing. It's, it's, it is. Yeah. Yeah, 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 totally. Paul, any sort of final thoughts on, on the album? I, I think everyone should give it a listen because I think these guys are gone places. <laughs> aye aye they are they definitely are <laughs> so yeah that's well that is it that is the first uh, podcast for this this little queen marathon that we're doing I hope you got something out of it I hope you you know some of it might have been you, you might be you know ready to smash your phone up because you disagree wholeheartedly with everything we've said that's fine that's okay <laughs> you're allowed to um, but maybe you got something out of it Anyway, I think we're gonna gonna leave it there. We're gonna be tackling Queen Two next, um, so please stay tuned for that. Thanks uh, for myself, David and uh, Paul. Cheers. Thank you. Bye now. Thanks, man. All right, we'll see you on uh, the Queen Two podcast. Cheers. Thanks for listening. <laughs>